Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? The man answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, you've given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, the man asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Jesus replied saying, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him. And when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put the man on his own animal, brought him to an inn. He took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spent. Now, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The man answered, the one who showed mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Well, I barely have to preach this morning, right? I mean, most of us already know this parable. We know what it means. We know which character we're supposed to be. When we read this about the priest and the Levite, and and Levites were sort of like a professional religious person, you know, not quite a priest, but not quite an everyday ordinary person. When we read about them passing by on the other side of the road, rather than stopping to help this man in need, we usually assume they were hard-hearted, callous, devoid of compassion, that they were people who loved religion, but didn't realize that this man laying next to the road was a chance to actually live out their faith. And when they passed by without helping him, we see it as a moral failure and an act of religious hypocrisy. But I think there's more going on here. I think they passed by this man on the side of the road because they were scared. See, I don't know how much you know about the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, but it was notoriously difficult and dangerous. Jerusalem is about 2,500 feet above sea level, but Jericho is almost 1,000 feet below sea level. 
So over the course of 18 miles, the road dropped 3,500 feet. And it was steep and rocky and mountainous in an area that was also a desert without much water or, or natural shelter. And all of this made it the perfect place for robbers and thieves to ambush and hurt people. In fact, it happened so often, the road was so dangerous that its nickname was the Bloody Way. This was not a safe road to travel. So when Jesus mentioned this road in his parable, the people listening would have known its significance. And now we do too. And that changes things a bit, doesn't it? The priest and the Levite were scared. And who can blame them? On this road, stopping could get you robbed or killed. Just traveling alone meant you were already at risk. We can imagine what went through their heads when they saw this man lying next to the road, hurt or perhaps dead. What if he's faking it and this is a trap? Or what if the people who did this to him are watching right now, waiting for someone like me to stop so they can get me too? No wonder they crossed on the other side of the road and hurried by. They were right to be afraid. Now, if you look, and I don't suggest you do, the internet is full of all sorts of tips about how to not live in fear. Millions of websites and articles and how-to guides. This week I was talking to a parent, someone that I love and admire, and they talked about the fear that comes with raising kids in our world today. They said the pandemic has been scary and the constant reality of mass shootings is just utterly terrifying and the deepening political divide in our country that included a violent attempt to overthrow an election makes them worry about what kind of world our kids will inherit. And as followers of Jesus, we know that faith in God Trust in God helps us to manage the fear in our lives. But for most of us, it doesn't make all our fear just magically disappear. All of us still experience fear. And that's because just like this road from Jerusalem to Jericho, there are things in this world that are dangerous and scary. And that's not going to change. And so the question we need to be asking is, how can we still live faithfully with and amidst all these fears? Now, when I think about fear, I think about the story of Easter morning. In Matthew, when the women arrive at the tomb, an angel showed up, and it was so terrifying, so scary, so utterly just too much 
that it says that the guards of the tomb shook and became like dead men. I don't know what that means, but I think you have to feel a lot of dread to shake and appear like dead men. And when the angel turned to speak to the women, the first thing he said was, don't you be afraid to. Not because those words would suddenly take away their fears, but because he needed them to not get stuck in their fear. He had a message to deliver. And they had things they needed to know, things they needed to do, a mission they needed to fulfill, good news they had to spread. It was okay if they felt afraid, but they couldn't let the fear get in the way of doing God's work. They couldn't let the fear blind them to this miraculous thing God had done that they could now see with their own eyes in the empty tomb. They couldn't let the fear rule them and make decisions and call the shots. And this is good for us to hear in a world that is often scary. The Samaritan in this parable felt the same fear, risked the same danger when he stopped to care for the man next to the road. But he decided that fear wasn't going to call the shots, that loving and caring for someone in need was worth some risk, worth some danger, and even some harm, because the other option was to ignore a child of God who was beating, hurting, and in need. And the only choice worse than helping this man would be to walk away. Our world is full of roads to Jericho. I don't mean literal roads, though I think Annie and I may have driven on some roads like this one in Central America. There are social structures in our world and society, systems that are unjust and evil, and that lead to people getting beat up and left behind, impoverished and hurting by the side of the road. And at some point, at some point, we need to turn our attention to fixing the darn roads. Desmond Tutu once said, there comes a point when we need to stop just pulling people out of the river. We need to go upstream and find out why they're falling in. When Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., talked about the parable of the Good Samaritan. This is what he said. I think the Good Samaritan is a great individual. I, of course, like and respect the Good Samaritan, but I don't want to be the Good Samaritan. You see, I'm tired of picking up people along the Jericho Road. I'm tired of seeing people battered and bruised and bloody, injured and jumped on along the Jericho Roads of life. This road is dangerous. I don't want to have to pick up anyone else along this Jericho road. I want to fix 
the Jericho Road. I want to pave the Jericho Road. Add street lights to the Jericho Road. Make the Jericho Road safe for passage by everybody. I want to change the Jericho Road so that everybody has an opportunity for things like a job, education, security, and health care. Those are powerful words, aren't they? The church as a whole is very good at picking people up off the road and pulling people out of the river. So many congregations, including ours, are doing really good work to help people who are hurting and in need. But as a church, we're often hesitant to go upstream and find out why people are falling in. We're nervous to talk about the fact that, that some roads are broken, that some things in our society are wrong and, and need fixing. And I understand why. We don't want to be divisive. We don't want to come across as political, and we certainly don't want to be partisan. I was telling you that one of the things I love about being Lutheran is that we have a long tradition of advocacy work that seeks to get at causes instead of just treating symptoms, that works to repair the road. When I was in seminary, I went to visit the Lutheran Office for World Community. Anybody ever heard of the Lutheran Office for World Community? Oh boy, all right. It's located across the street from the United Nations in New York. And it represents you, as well as more than 72 million Lutherans in 98 countries. Did you know Lutherans were the first people of faith to set up an office at the UN? And the staff there work tirelessly to advocate for policies and changes that'll help fix the Jericho roads in this life. So do groups like the Lutheran Advocacy Ministries of Arizona, New Mexico, New Jersey, Colorado, and you got it, Pennsylvania. (laughs) People who devote their time to pushing for Jericho roads to be fixed, to figuring out why people are falling into the river and doing something about it. There are too many Jericho roads still in our world today. Too many systems and circumstances that leave people impoverished, beaten up, and left behind. So where is God calling us? Calling you? Not just to help the person on the side of the road, but also to repair the road, to change it until it becomes safe for everyone to travel, to see not just the symptoms of the brokenness in our world, but to also see and address the root causes. How is God calling us to create a world that is more just and more fair, that helps to grow God's kingdom? We will inevitably fall in our efforts at that work. We will often still fall short of living like the Samaritan in this story. We will, at times, allow fear to motivate our decisions. 
But here's the good news. God will keep working in us and changing us and transforming us. God will not give up on us and God will not give up on this world because God never fails or falls short and God never lets fear get in the way of grace and love. See, Jesus was God's way of choosing to not walk by on the other side of the road, but to walk the road with us. Jesus came to this earth to bring us healing and wholeness, forgiveness and grace, even though it meant risk and came with a cost. And through the Holy Spirit, the brokenness inside of us is being transformed and repaired and made new. God is still at work fixing the Jericho roads in our world, and God will not stop until all that is broken is made right and each and every road is safe for all. May that day come soon, and may we help to hasten its arrival. Amen.